Welcome to the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. This episode contains a sermon from June 26 by Brother Todd Burgess, titled Matthew 5, verse 1 and 2. Uh, you probably saw our, our passage of Scripture here. Uh, it kind of ended off at, at kind of a weird spot. He taught, the last, that last verse says in Jesus, and he taught them saying, and he stopped. Well, um, that's kind of the introduction. And so I'm going to cover those first two verses uh, before we get into the Sermon on the Mount. And so yeah, I think it's important, especially with what Adam had just got done saying. Folks, we have to learn to see from God's perspective. And that's what verse 1 and 2 talk about. Seeing things from God's perspective. I like what he said up there, and I probably won't remember exactly how, how, how he wrote it, but he said, you know, a year from now, will we feel kind of guilty still if we're still sitting on the couch here, or will we feel like we're doing what God wants us to do? See, that's understanding things from God's perspective, because even though things look, look, look great, things are going well, if we're not following what the Lord has called us to do, then we're not seeing things from, from God's perspective. And so... Here in, here in Matthew 5, 1 and 2, Matthew, and basically in these three chapters, 5, 6, and 7, he begins, uh, Jesus here begins uh, the step in his ministry by, by teaching his disciples about how they are to live and conduct themselves as his church. And folks, I think that's something that churches in America have forgotten. We have forgotten who we are and why we're here. And that's why I think it's so important that we learn and understand how to live in God's fullness and being able to see people the way that God sees them. How many of us are prejudiced, biased, Come on. All right, thank you. We've got a couple honest people here. I am. And it's those prejudices, it's those biases in our lives that stop us from seeing people the way God sees them. It stops us from ministering the way God wants us to minister. And so we have to understand this. And so when I went back and re-looked at this passage of Scripture, these first two verses... The Bible says in, in, in Matthew 5, 1, And seeing the multitudes, he went up into the mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him. Well, let's stop and look at that first word, seeing. Okay? It has two meanings. There's one I can look out and I can see. I can see the pews. I can see the people sitting in the pews. Okay, it's great. I see, I see all that. But then the other meaning of this word is to see with understanding. To see with knowledge about what is going on. And folks, that's, that's, that's important. Have that understanding. It's implying more than the mere act of looking at something, but seeing with a perception of truth of what is being seen. And that means seeing things from God's perspective. Too often we go through our lives in our own perspective, seeing things our own way, making our own decisions, good, bad, who knows? Time will tell. 
but not seeing things in God's perspective, which means seeing things in our own perspective, it's always bad because we're missing what God has for us. We need, we need to grasp that. Just, to, just to, two examples, uh, Matthew 2.2, 2, it says, here are the wise men saying, where is he that's born king of the Jews? For we have seen, there's that same word, his star in the east and are come to worship him. How many of you all looked up and seen the stars before, right? Now, do you ever look up and see the stars? Oh, wow, I need to, because uh, I saw that star that's pointing to this person over here, the Messiah. No, that, that's, what the, that's what these wise men saw. They saw and they understood that that star represented the birth of Christ. That's, that's amazing. That's having that perspective, that godly perspective that only God can do in a person's life. And we need that in the church. As Christians, we need God's perspective on all situations, on all circumstances. On every time someone comes and, and, and we see them, we talk to people, we have to have that perspective. Another one, Matthew 21, 19, another, that same word, it says, And when he saw, this is Jesus, a fig tree in the way, he came to it and found nothing thereon but leaves only, and said unto it, Let no fruit grow on thee henceforth forever. And presently the fig tree withered away. Now how many fig trees had Jesus walked by in, prior to this? Many, I had no doubt. But all of a sudden, this one, he saw, and the Spirit of God revealed to him. Now, so I'm one of these that believe that Jesus was a man. He set aside all his godly attributes. He walked around this earth like you and me. Otherwise, how would he expect us to do the same? The Holy Spirit revealed to him this truth. The same Holy Spirit that is in us. See, the same Holy Spirit is the one that gives us God's perspective on our circumstances, on our situations. And, and here, the Holy Spirit gave the perspective to Jesus that this was a symbol. This fig tree was a symbol of how Israel was going to reject him and his ministry. Folks, we need to, we need to begin to see things as God does. We just can't go through life nonchalant and, and, and just taking things as they come. We need to be like Adam and his family who saw from God's perspective that, that if they're sitting here on this couch a year from now, things aren't right. Let's go on. And seeing the multitudes. Now, again, multitudes, typical word. We see multitudes all the time, all the time, don't we? But do we see them from God's perspective? <laughs> Jesus did. Now, see, this, this, this can go back to what I preached a couple weeks ago in, in, in Matthew 4, 20 through 25, who the multitudes, all they wanted was Jesus was for Jesus to fix something in their life. They didn't want to be, they did not want to be disciples, but they wanted Jesus to fix something. How many people come to church and all they want to do is God to fix something? And too often, that's what churches focus on. Nothing wrong with that. Churches should be focusing on that. The poor, the widow, the orphans. We need to be focused on helping people. 
But folks, our job is to make disciples, not fixing people's problems. Now, there's a good balance there that if you're following what God is leading in your life, you will help people that are in need. Okay? But you also be about witnessing and sharing the love of Christ to them. And some will become disciples. And so when you look at this term multitudes here, it talks of a crowd or a throng of people that are, that are a confused multitude. They, they're wandering around. They don't know what the, what, the, what the objective is. They don't know what they're doing. All they know is that Jesus can fix something. That's all they know. Matthew 7, 28 says, And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings that people were astonished at his doctrine. See, they're amazed. Wow, look at Jesus. What he teaches is, wow, that's amazing. Well, look what he did. Look at that. Wow, that's good. But they never come to the point to where he's their Messiah. He's their God. And see, and what did Jesus do so many times? He steered himself away from the multitudes. And that's what he does here. He says, and seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came to him. Now, folks, I believe this is, this is very important. Disciples, disciples. Now, this, this word disciples, it means more in the New Testament than just a, a pupil or a learner. I mean, we all, at some point, have been in school, had to learn things, but we were not disciples of that teacher. We were just learners, not disciples. There's far more to being a disciple of Jesus Christ than coming and sitting in the pew and learning and listening what's being taught. If that's all we do, you may not be a disciple of Christ, folks. You see, a disciple is a believer who accepts the instructions given to him or her and makes those instructions their rule of conduct. It changes their behavior. They, get, they, they, they are sold out to what is being taught and they accept it wholeheartedly and are willing to do whatever is necessary to be the follower of Christ. We find these disciples of Jesus did what? They gave up their livelihoods, their businesses, everything, and they followed Jesus. Jesus demands the same of us today. Adam and his family, they understood that. Now, I'm not saying every, every, every Christian is called to mission field. But every Christian is called into service for Christ. And so we need to understand this. And so we have to know that being a disciple is going to cost us. In Luke 14, 26, 27, it says, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sister, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. 
What did Jesus say? When Jesus said this, I believe this is the passage where Jesus' mother came and his brother and came to Jesus and and his disciples said, hey, your mom and brother are outside and want to talk to you. And Jesus said, who's my mother? Who's my father? Who, Who are these people? See, a disciple is one who puts Jesus first with no seconds. No seconds. Now being, now God being who he is, he'll balance everything else out to where your family, your parents, those relationships are all balanced out right. Far better than we had ever been able to balance them out and work things out in our lives. And then verse 27 of Luke 14, and whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciples. You see, this is what's so important. A disciple is one who is sold out to Jesus. What are you sold out to? What are we sold out to? Well, Hopefully it's the word of God. Hopefully it's being a doer, not just a hearer of the word. See, the multitudes were here. They'd, they'd love to hear because they're waiting for that miracle to take place. Oh, look what happened. I was, I was part of that. I saw that. They're just hearers. And they went away and did the same thing they've always done. They're not doers. There are many sitting right here. When you, when you go this week, you come back next week, you'll be sitting right here, same spot. Go home, next week come back to the same spot, never doing anything for Christ. Never sharing the gospel. Because you don't see things from God's perspective. You see things from your own perspective. And God can't change a person like that until they're, until they're willing to recognize and become a disciple of Jesus. Because you know how you learn to, the only way you can see things from God's perspective is to have the Holy Spirit of God in you as a child of God. And even then, Christians, some many times, will take and suppress the Holy Spirit's work in their life. And even then, that's, we need, we need to understand, we have to see things God's way. And so a disciple is one that does what Jesus says. They're a doer, not a hearer. John 15, 8 says, Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit. So shall I be my disciples. If you're a disciple of Christ, you will be bearing spiritual fruit. So what are you known for? What kind of fruit are you known for? If there's problems, are you the ones always in the middle of it? If there's any kind of disagreements, dissension, disruptions, you know, controversies, or there's always you, same person? I've been to churches where it's the same person in the middle of it all. Or is the fruit that permeates your life is, being, is the one that comes in and encourages and lifts up and helps calm down those that are always in dispute. dispute. Because you have the love of God in your life. See, there's a difference. There's a difference. And so what type of follower are you? 
That's the question. Now that's all verse 1. Verse 2 says, And he opened his mouth and taught them. Verse 2 tells us and gives us the entire context of chapters 5, 6, and 7. And so often, because they don't, people have not read, they skip over some of these what seem to be insignificant verses. Let me tell you, God's word is not insignificant. Every word is important because God put it there. First, we're going to go back. Who is Jesus speaking to? Who's he, who's he speaking to? Disciples. Where are the multitudes? Down at the base of the mountain. In fact, you won't see Jesus talking to the multitudes until chapter 8, verse 1 of Matthew. When he says, and going down from the mountain, he sees the multitudes again. So everything between chapter 5, verse 1, and chapter 8, verse 1, Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's talking to believers, true believers in who he was and is. Now, do they, mean, do they understand everything about Jesus? No. But they do recognize him as their Messiah. Do they know why he's there, his purpose? No. But he, they recognize that he is the one that was promised. And so when Jesus opened his mouth, that word open is so important because it shows what is about to be taught. Jesus is opening his mind, his heart. He is speaking frankly to his disciples. He is speaking the truth in such a way that it will conform his disciples and change their behavior, change their conduct, He's given them all this teaching he's given them about how to function as his church. What their behavior should be like. Matthew 13, 35 said, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things which have been kept secret from the, found, from the foundation of the world. What Jesus is doing here, he is teaching his disciples in these three chapters about the church that was spoken of in the Old Testament but was secret in the Old Testament, was hidden and was now being revealed in the New Testament about the kingdom of heaven that's coming. He is revealing these truths to his disciples. That's, who, that's what he's saying. That's what he's talking about in these three chapters. Just to get a glimpse of some of this, in Acts 8.35, we have Philip on the road who just, just been called out of Damascus and or out of Samaria, a big revival going on to go to the Damascus road and sit and wait. And, well, Lord, I'm here. But because he is able to see things from God's perspective... People pass by. And all of a sudden, here comes this big old caravan of a eunuch from Ethiopia. Second in command of, of Candace. So this was no, no, no small little troop. This was probably about 100 soldiers and large. Big parade going through. And here's Philip. Hi, Lord. 
where do you want me? And he's sitting there just watching, observing, listening. And all of a sudden, here's this person reading something. So, that sounds like God's word. In fact, that might be from the book of Isaiah. Well, let me get a little closer. Hey, you, you, you understand what you're reading? See, God's perspective will lead us in who we're to be talking to, how we're to talk to them, what we're to say, how we're to respond. Having God's perspective does that. But you know what most of us would have done? I probably would have done. Lord, why'd you leave me? For, man, I, was, I was having great success in Samaria, and now I'm back. Oh, Lord, man, what did I do wrong? Oh, well, pity me. Not Philip. Well, Lord, you brought me here. Okay. Well, there, there, that's where you want me, Lord. Okay. And he took him from where he was and led him to Jesus. See, seeing things from God's perspective. He did the same thing to Peter. Peter had a bunch of um, uh, prejudice in his life, especially about Gentiles. And in Acts 10, 34, then Peter opened his mouth and said, of a truth I perceive that God is no, respe no respecter of persons. And he led, I think it was Roman centurion and his fam household to Christ. But he had learned something from God first in a dream about being prejudiced. See, our prejudice, those things, our human perspectives, that's what keeps us from doing what God calls us to do. I believe there may be many missionaries here, but just never, never responded. There may be many here that are supposed to support missions, but have never responded. But all oh, because I got this bill and that bill, and yeah, we're not getting through because we're not seeing things. We're not seeing people as God sees them. And then lastly, in the part of that verse, he says, "He and he taught them." See, the intent of this teaching here is to influence the understanding of the person who is being taught so that what is learned... I mean, how many have watched... What's the, what's the uh, Star Trek and the Borg, right? They're going to simulate, right? Now, some of you may not have seen it. Well, I'm sorry. Um, but... Uh, they take whoever it was and they assimilate them to be a Borg. That's what this word means. He taught. Jesus is teaching them to assimilate them, all their preconceptions, all change them to God's perspective. We need to be assimilated by the Holy Spirit of God in us. And you know what happens? So often we fight back. We fight back. And the Holy Spirit can't do anything with us. We're saved. We're Christians. We'll get to heaven. But we'll have no rewards. See, this how Jesus was teaching his disciples, he had to take away everything they'd learned and say, this is the truth now. And it contradicted much of what they learned. And so when we teach, when we talk to people, and believe me, when you're talking to someone, you're teaching. If you're a Christian, you're talking to someone, your conversation means you're teaching something about yourself, about the one you believe. 
Every conversation. The Bible says, don't let idle words come out of your mouth, which means you're accountable for every word that comes out of your mouth. And when I think of that, it's like, oh, ouch. Woe is me. And so what's the aim of your teaching? Is it to shape the will of the one you're talking to to conform to Christ? Frankly, I think most of our, most of our communication is just the opposite. Usually it's about us and not about Christ. Folks, we have to understand First, what type of follower we are, and that we need to begin to see things from God's perspective. Because until we do, our life really won't mean anything to anybody around us. When our life begins to mean something to people around us, it's when Jesus has affected us so severely that they people around us once say, what is going on with you? I need what you got. Is that our testimony? That tends to be the t- testimony of most missionaries. But not necessarily the testimony of most church members. Let's stand and pray. Thank you for tuning into the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. For more information, check out our website at gbcak.org.